Today we are thinking about love, but not that kind of love. I'd be really pleased to know that. I think language is, I just want to begin really thinking about language. I think it's a really interesting and dynamic thing across all, all languages and how in some languages we have one word to say a long phrase and another, like when you read um, theology by, um, by German people, by Karl Barth, Bonhoeffer, everything feels so much wordier because they only have like a short word to say it. So it's actually really hard to read. And I think that is actually fascinating that how language works and how it works when we translate. So in Italian, you have, I'm now going to butcher this word, atrepisano, which is a most elegant way of saying to cross over or to let something go. And in Swedish, there's a word um, called, again, I'm going to butcher this, called mangata, which means to um, a road light reflection of the moon on the water. Like they have words to describe these things. <laughs> then there's us here in the lang English language and we just have one word to describe many different things and that's love. Love is used to say, I love chocolate, I love my dog, I love my sister, I love my husband, I love all these different kinds of things. But to say I love my husband and love chocolate, and in the same way, that would be really weird. And I feel like the Greeks, the ancient Greeks really got this, that they needed more words to describe how they feel towards things. Even though it's love, it's they needed different words to describe the type of loves. So in Greek, some of you may know this, but I, found, I, I knew some of these things, but I didn't realize there were so many. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different words to describe different types of love. So they have, Eros, and you can guess what the root word of that goes to for romantic or passionate love. Uh, filler, which is affectionate love. Um, store, storage with familiar love. Mania, which is crazy love, obsessive love. Harry told me I should start singing Beyonce there. Ludos, which is playful love. Pragma, enduring love. And again, I'm going to butcher this. Belusia, which is self-love. And then you have agape, agape, selfless, universal love. And that is the love that we are going to be thinking about today. So our Bible reading today is from Matthew 5, 43 to 48. And it says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute, persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, that reward will get you. Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Quite a short word of the Lord there. <laughs> Last week when I spoke to you um, and we thought about reconciliation 
and how we need to reconcile relationships, that we must confess that we need to put our big girl and boy pants on and say sorry for what we have done and, and kind of sit in that and not make it about ourselves, but really say sorry that we need to have conviction, confession, repentance, restitution, and reconciliation. And I suggested, and I believe that we should all seek to reconcile all relationships, even the ones where we have been wronged and they do not seek forgiveness. And whilst not all people want us to forgive them, and that can really feel difficult, and we should still, as well, always love them, which can also feel really, really difficult. Because to love your enemies is hard. Let's be real. Why would you want to love somebody that has hurt you or dismissed you or said something that has made you feel really, really rubbish? So why is it that we should love our enemies? Well, let's have a look at this passage and unpack it a little more. In verse 35, it says, hate, verse, yeah, sorry, verse 43, hate your enemy. And this is what the Pharisees were taught. And it was a really big misunderstanding of scripture because they had limited the term neighbour to their fellow Israelites the people that were immediately by them. And then secondly, they used God's hatred for evil to allow personal hostility against people. And they did this because they limited the term neighbour to their fellow Israelites because that's what they understood neighbour to be. Love only your neighbour. Sure, you had to love your neighbour, but if someone wasn't actually your neighbour, then the command no longer applied to them. So the command to love your neighbour actually became permission to hate anyone who wasn't your neighbour. And this was really a really big deal to Jesus and the Pharisees who would even debate about it and who was and who was not your neighbour. That's why in Luke 10, Jesus affirmed that loving your neighbour was at the heart of the law. And the one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? And Luke tells us and the Pharisees why he was wrong. He was trying to limit, these Pharisees were trying to limit the definition of neighbour so they could limit the love for others. Basically this Pharisee was trying to get off on a technicality and how did Jesus answer him? Well in the parable of the good Samaritan. Through that story he showed it doesn't matter that race or religion. It doesn't matter if they've hurt you in your past or in your present. If you can help them, you are, they are your neighbour and you must love them as yourself. So who is your neighbour? Well, everyone is your neighbour. The second mistake these Pharisees show here and that they have made is that God used God hatred for evil to allow personal animosity against people. For example, they looked at passages in the Old Testament, like Deuteronomy 2, which commanded the Israelites con concerning the Canaanite nations. You must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. 
you read verses like that and certainly it doesn't sound like you should love your enemies. But during these wars of judgment against the nations, the Israelites were never commanded to hate their enemies. The Bible says God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so these were special commands at a national level. And they were not to be used as an excuse to hate enemy or on, on a personal level. So what did the Old Testament actually teach about loving thy neighbour? Well, it teaches in Leviticus uh, 19 two things. First of all, love your neighbour as yourself. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. It tells you to do good to your enemy in Exodus and Proverbs. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to bring it back to them. There you are, as you see your oxes and your donkeys wandering around Telford, be sure to bring it back to your enemy. Make sure you get it to them. If you see the donkey or someone who, who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there, be sure to help it with him. And again, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. The Pharisees did hear what we often do. They've taken all this scripture, they've used it for themselves and they've changed it. How often do we take scripture out of context to use it for personal gain, to use it to make it fit our world, to fit what we want it to fit? And maybe you sat there saying, I've never done that, but I can tell you now I've seen people do that. And perhaps I've probably done that as well. And I really encourage you, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't take that one verse when there's hundreds of others that are telling you to love your neighbour. So we are here with Jesus and Jesus is teaching us to love your enemies. And that was such an unprecedented teaching in the ancient world and nobody expected that was what Jesus was going to teach. The command is in the present tense, which means that it had to be continuous and habitual act to love thy en your enemies. This command goes far beyond the radical love commands of the previous section of the, of the Beatitudes that we hear. The enemy becomes your neighbor, you love him as a friend, and haters gonna hate, but Christians are gonna love. And we are gonna live differently as people in Telford. We see a world that goes one way and we should go to the other. You've only seen on TV this week, wow, what, is, what a week it's been in the public domain of, of Women's Day, of Piers Morgan walking out on, on Good Morning Britain, of him being canceled and everyone hating him for what he said and what he's done, to somebody being murdered. That is what we've seen this week. And how should we respond? Well, with love. The love that we need to express is a selfless love. The sort of love that requires you to die for them. That is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And in the Greek, the love that is used here is that love agape. 
When Jesus is talking about personal enemies here, he says you are to love them and pray for them. You may be cut off from all other forms of communication, but with your enemy, you can always pray for them. Imagine that to be a testament to who you are, that each morning you don't get up and pray for your loved ones, but you get up and pray for those that don't like you or you don't like. But prayer is essential as it's impossible to pray for someone without loving them. Jesus as our perfect example here. When Jesus was hung in agony on the cross, he prayed for his persecutors. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing here. Persecution will only grow for us as Christians. So you need to be ready to stay firm, to be ready to pray and to be ready to love. I remember when I first became a Christian and was quite happily telling my friends about it at school. But the comments that would come back to me were things that would make me scared to walk to school because I was scared of the words that they would say, but always being told by my mum and my church to love them. You don't always have to like them, but to love them was the phrase that was used. It is so hard to do that. It's so hard to walk into situations and be the gracious one there in there when stuff is thrown at you. But fundamentally to be reminded what Jesus did for us. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. But why should we do any of this? Well, because we should be living differently as children of a heavenly father. That is the reason Jesus gives for loving your enemies. It's not just about winning them over as friends. That may or may not happen. They may really not want that to happen at all. But when you love your enemies and show yourself to be God's given children by acting like your heavenly father, you live differently. And how does your heavenly father act? Well, he gives his blessings to all regardless of who they are. That's the way God is. He showers his love and kindness on all people without distinction, whether they're locked up in jail for murder or whether they are the perfect saint caring and saving the world. As Christians, we should do more than love others though. If we look at verse 46 and 47, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you, what, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? If you love those who love you, well, that is, really easy. The joy of my job is that I love those that I work with and it's so easy to love and be part of the community here. But what's the reward in that? He says even the tax collectors do that, even those that we don't like probably love somebody and care for someone. 
Nobody ever loved a tax collector, but they were especially despised in Jesus's day. Jesus is saying to the people, are you going to make the tax collector your standard of love? Just say that again. Are you going to make your tax collector your standard of love? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Are you going to make the pagans your standard for love? We should be demonstrating a greater love, an extraordinary love that distinguishes you from non-Christians. Any human being can show a human love. The tax collectors could do it, the pagans could do it, anyone can. But as Christians, we are commanded by God to show God's love, that selfless love. As Christians, we should be doing more than others. The final line in this says to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, or it's not quite the last line, but in the last bit. This verse concludes not only this section on loving your enemies, but also the whole section in this, in the Beati this part of the Beatitudes. How good do we need to be to go to heaven? You need to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. A complete and total moral perfection that even loves the way God loves. Of course, we will never be perfect in this life. And that's why Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus knows we're gonna get it wrong. He knows we're gonna mess up. He knows we're gonna hurt people. And in fact, the very next chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness. We will never be perfect in this life, but God calls us to perfection. And that means as Christians, there is always room to grow. We keep striving towards the goal of perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, perfect love. And Jesus said, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. All of what I've said is all very true and what we should go and do. But that does not mean it doesn't come out with the reality that it's difficult in a world that we shouldn't do any of this. I continuously get told by friends that you're so loving, that you're so caring. But in my back of my head, I just think, well, that's what God has called me to do. Words, so our, lang our culture, is, is made up at the moment of things like cancel culture. It's, we see in the news how uh, our BAME community are being so hurt by people, how women are treated is so devastating. We look to the news headlines and they tell us who we should love and who we should be. But we live in a culture where to live differently is contested. But how useless are we as followers of God if we conform to this accepted truth? 
Guys, you all have a choice as you go about your day-to-day -day life of who it is that you're gonna love. What actions, what words are you gonna use? I said at the beginning how much I love language and how language is so beautiful and extraordinary. It can be used for the better. Our actions can be used for the better. But if we're not all on the same page, but it, and if we use those words wrongly, how harmful they can be. I'm gonna say this last line again. We live in a culture where to live differently is contested, but how useless are we as followers of God if we conform to the accepted? Guys, in a world where we, get, we can follow culture, let's go the other way and follow God. Let's think differently. Let's live like Jesus and love our enemies. Let's think deeply about that love and think of what it means. Let's ask for forgiveness when we say wrong things and we hurt them or aren't kind to people because we'll do it. We'll get frustrated. We'll sin and get it wrong. But let's try our best to seek to love others the way that Jesus loved. We shouldn't love them like chocolate, but love them selflessly. And I believe through living differently, we will see people come to know Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you all as I finish. Lord God, I pray that we were people that won't conform to the accepted, but will live differently. And will live like Jesus. That will live like you have called us to be. They won't twist words of scripture, but read it for what it is and live that out in our day-to-day -day lives. And Lord, you will protect our hearts in this as well. And when we mess up, mess up, you will comfort us and be with us and strengthen us and help us to get back on our feet and continue living your way. Amen.